this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. Today, we are offering five conversations from episode 34, our discussion with Stephen Harrison and Mazen Nuruddin reviewing important drug development presentations and posters from the Easel Congress 2023, plus a vault episode addressing a similar topic after last year's liver meeting from AASLD. Bjorn Schottenberg starts this discussion by setting the ground rules, noting how much important drug development research was released at the Easel Congress. Stephen Harrison proceeds from here to share data from Fascinate, the phase 2B trial of the Fascinating Hyperdenafen stat that Rohit Wumba presented at the meeting. In the process, he discusses why the idea of a fasting inhibitor is so exciting. It blocks the novel lipogenesis, which means it can have effects on inflammation and possibly direct fibrosis inhibition. If you do not recall or did not hear episode 32, we discussed in that episode why inflammation, which is tied to liver volume, might be important in its own right. From there, Stephen goes on to describe the trial, starting with basic design and proceeding to share the MRI PDFF and biomarker data that was presented at the Easel Congress. He finishes with safety and efficacy data and a general comment that the trial showed that, and I quote, the drug is doing what it's intended to do. This conversation covers a lot of ground on drug development, analysis, trial results, and the upcoming increases in importance of omics and artificial intelligence. It was a great birthday present for me from some of my favorite surfers, and I hope it's a present to you as well. It's quite a lot to digest, very exciting to consider, so sit back, listen, learn, enjoy, and when you're done, join the dialogue in our LinkedIn discussion group. Jörn Schattenberg. For today's session, we're actually revisiting Easel for one more time and thought we would be recording on some of the highlights of the meeting that we haven't discussed yet. Uh, Stephen was on previously, and we discussed some of the therapeutic sessions. Mazin also joined and on various occasions. So I think this is our roundup episode of Easel Congress 2023, which, again, left a lot of energy to the field and, and very exciting new data. Of course, starting with a plenary general session presentation you gave. I believe it was the first one of the Congress, Stephen, and thinking about the data set lots since then. But this recording gives them more time to maybe take even a dip into the posters. And Maz and I know you presented a lot of data. Maybe you wanted to revisit some of those and, and discuss it here in the podcast. Stephen Harrison. Yeah, I think it would also be important to drive through a couple of the orals that we didn't get a chance to talk about. The FASTIN inhibitor with Denifonstant would be something we could hit on. Maybe even the pimbidutide data with the dual GLP glucagon agonist. And, you know, there are probably a couple others as well. I think it would be good to update on these two. Go for it. Yeah, let me just provide a quick update on Denifonstant. As you guys know, this was an oral presentation from Rohit Lumba, really targeting a 26-week interim analysis of the Fascinate 2 Phase 2B trial. So remember in NASH, when we say 2B, what we basically imply is it's a paired liver biopsy study. So, you know, Denifonstant is a a FASTIN inhibitor. And that's important in the field of NASH and pathogenesis because it blocks de novo lipogenesis, which is one of the two major routes that give fatty liver in the setting of NAFLD. Number one being free fatty acid flux from adipocytes that are dysfunctional as a result of insulin resistance. So when we think about FASTIN inhibition and blocking de novo lipogenesis within hepatocytes, what does that lead to? Well, theoretically, 
Likely, it leads to reduced inflammation via prevention of immune cell activation, and actually it can have direct uh, fibrosis inhibition as well. So just a little bit about the FASCINATE 2 Phase 2B trial design. It's actually a 52-week trial in biopsy-confirmed F2, F3 NASH patients, and the primary endpoint is NAS improvement of at least two points without worsening of fibrosis or resolution of NASH without worsening of fibrosis, and then, of course, safety as well. The study enrolled 168 patients in U.S., Canada, and Europe. Patients had also non-invasive testing done to include MRI PDFF as well as numerous biomarkers, and there was an a priori predefined interim analysis at 26 weeks, so halfway through. And the final report will be at the end of one year where we're doing liver biopsy. There were two arms, only one drug arm, Denifon stunt 50 milligram versus placebo. So uh, patients were randomized in a two-to-one randomization scheme. So twice as many people on Denifon stunt as on placebo. And when Rohit presented the data, what was presented was the MRI PDFF data as well as biomarker data. So just at a top line, the, just to breeze through it, uh, looking at liver fat by MRI PDFF, absolute change was around 6% for the 50 milligram dose and 0.9 or less than 1% for placebo, an absolute treatment effect delta of 5%, relative change around 34% collectively versus 1.5 for placebo. And then when we do the all familiar responder frequency, which we say is what percentage of people have at least a 30% relative reduction. It was two-thirds, so 67%. And diving into that number a bit more, about half of the responders actually decreased their liver fat by more than 50%. So overall, very good reduction on liver fat content. ALT reduction, about 16.5 points for denifonstant and four units per liter for placebo or treatment effect delta of around 12 units per liter. And what Rohit has pioneered and likes to report on is those patients who have at least a 30% relative reduction in liver fat, as well as a 17 unit per liter decrease in ALT, 9% in placebo or two patients out of 22, hit that mark 37% or 11 out of 30 in the Denifonstein group hit that. And then we always like to look at some of the fibrosis biomarkers. They looked at two, Pro-C3 and ELF. A Pro-C3 change at 26 weeks was around 8% versus 1.5 for placebo, and the ELF score change about 0.34 versus essentially nothing for ELF score. They also looked at CK18. It seems like that won't ever go away. I'm not a huge fan of CK18 at an individual level. I think collectively at a cohort level, it can tell us a little bit about what's going on with hepatocyte injury. And there was a change here that was not significant. It was 169 for Denifonstant, 39 for placebo for the M30 subtype. And for the M65, it was minus 266 for the Denifonstant group and minus 86 for placebo. But again, not significant there. The other important thing to think about with any drug in development is do you have a marker of target engagement? Can you look at something that could be measured to tell you you're actually doing what you think your drug is supposed to be doing? And I told you earlier that denifonstant is a FASN inhibitor and it impacts de novo lipogenesis. So just to go back to a little bit of biochemistry, what happens in de novo lipogenesis is essentially you take acetyl-CoA and you work your way through to malonyl 
coa and then palmitate and then ultimately to tripalmatin. So if you block fasten, if you block fatty acid synthase with denafonsant, what you get is less palmitate and that leads to less tripalmatin. So tripalmatin is a triglyceride containing three molecules of palmitate. And so a decrease in that shows consistent target engagement. And there was about a 42% decrease in the denafonstein group versus a 21% increase in the placebo group. So, so definitely hitting its target. There was also impacts on LDL cholesterol, about a 12% decrease there. FTF21 was also upregulated. And then there was a very nice review on lipidomics, which is something we seldom see, at least in in the phase two world, looking at some of the more specific mm, bad actors, if you will, of cholesterol relative to lipotoxicity. And what we see is denafonstant reverses this abnormality by reducing saturated diacylglycerols and triglycerides, and it increases polyunsaturated DAGs and TAGs. So that's, that's very encouraging overall. Ceramides were also decreased. And how about safety and tolerability? Well, it was well tolerated in the interim population. The majority of events were grade one or grade two. There were no grade three, no treatment related serious adverse events. And those adverse events that did occur tended to be more, uh, I believe, GI related as well. So overall, the take-home message was the drug is doing what it's supposed to do. There's impacts on liver fat content that are meaningful. There are meaningful changes in liver chemistry tests, as well as milder changes, I would say, in fibrosis biomarkers than what we've seen with some other drugs in development, but collectively for an oral agent that's given once a day and well-tolerated to be moving the needle in liver cell injury, as well as fibrosis biomarkers, along with liver fat content reduction is positive. No weight gain was noted with this compound either, and there were some positive impacts on lipid metabolism similar to the thyroid hormone receptor beta drug, there is no impact that at least is reported at this time on glycemic control. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. Next week, we'll be back with more discussion on major stories from the Easel Congress. Until then, stay safe, surf on, and we'll see you again on the podcast. Bye-bye now.